Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning and good afternoon. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center, and you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. And we have a very special show for you today, and I want to thank you for joining us. Um, today, we're broadcasting live from the ABA um, annual IP meeting here in Crystal City, Virginia, just across this river from the Capitol. And uh, we have a very special guest today. We have Peter McGee, who is the principal author of the recently released FTC report on protecting consumer privacy in an era of rapid change. So we have an interesting show for you. So um, thank you for joining us. Please be seated. And um, Peter, are you with us? Uh, yes, I am. Um, and um, Peter, first of all, I want to um, give some um, hats off to our the show's very first guest was Chris Olson, who was also from the um, the Bureau of Privacy and the Consumer Protection Division. And, um, and and Chris actually recommended Peter for the show. And um, so, Peter, we're glad to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, sure. I'm a uh, senior staff attorney in uh, the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection. And uh, within that bureau, we have a number of divisions. The particular division um, that I work in is called the Division of Privacy and Identity Protection. And um, I've been working on privacy issues for uh, a handful of years and have been involved in uh, the commission's work in the online behavioral advertising context, and then also our, our more recent work on um, creating a new uh, privacy framework. Now, um, it may not be on the New York Times bestseller list this weekend, but the, um, the, the Give it some time. item on the, um, on the Internet um, Intelligentsia, the hot um, bestseller this week, is the FTC's um, f- Recommendations for business and policy makers 
on protecting consumer privacy in an era of rapid change. And, um, and you're the principal author of that, right? Uh, yeah, um, that's something that um, I've been involved in from uh, the beginning of our project. So does this mean you're going to be on The Daily Show and some of the other shows? <laughs> uh, I, I haven't been contacted yet, but... Um, Usually anyone who's been on our show ends up on The Daily Show. I think it's, it's true, right, Red Brasco? But anyway, um, this, this report is really the culmination of over two years of work, and um, starting with the, the privacy roundtables, right? Yeah, that's correct. The... Um Starting in the, uh, the fall of 2009 and going through March of 2010, the, uh, the FTC held a series of public um, workshops where we examined consumer privacy protection in light of new business, uh, business models and new technologies uh, that rely on the collection and use of consumer data. And the reason we, uh, we started this initiative is, well, there were sort of two reasons. The, uh, the first was the recognition that there might be some gaps or limitations with the way the FTC has historically approached uh, protecting consumer privacy. And then coupled with that was the, uh, were the changes to technology and the creation of, of new business models. This includes things like online behavioral advertising, social media, uh, cloud computing, uh, the mobile marketplace, and also data brokers. And um, and so after you know this this long process, and you, know, you had you had what three hearings, two in Washington, one out in Berkeley, and then you had a preliminary report, and then a process of comments on that. Um, this report comes just um, not even a month or so after the the, the White House released their um, proposal for a um, a consumer um, privacy bill of rights. How do you see the two reports? Um, you know, what's the relationship of the two reports together? Are they complementary? Are they you know, separate? Or sure. Well, the, uh, the the Department of Commerce also had a uh, a public event around the same time we were doing our privacy roundtables, and out of that, they developed a um, a paper uh, which uh, was finalized recently, and it's the um, calling for a, a consumer bill of privacy rights. Um, we've worked with uh, staff from Department of Commerce, and um, they participated in our roundtable. So I, I see the two documents as being uh, consistent and, and complementary. I mean, there are areas that you cover that obviously aren't, aren't covered by the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights, but there definitely is um, a certain, um, certain similar themes. You know, one is you know, consumer control is a big theme, it seems. Yeah, that's correct. I'll sort of describe what our uh, privacy framework looks like. Um, sure, please after do. We, after we did the, uh, the, the roundtables, we, we, as you said, <laughs> published a preliminary report, and we posed a number of questions and, and presented a preliminary framework uh, for protecting consumer privacy. And in response to that, we got around 450 comments from a variety of, of different interests and perspectives half of which came from individual consumers, which is sort of unique and I think really shows uh, how privacy resonates with, with consumers. Um, Com- and comparatively, we, uh, some we, of the other works you've done, what was the consumer response? I'm sorry? Comparatively, in terms of some of the other projects the FTC's had recently, what t- how does that compare in terms of level of consumer response? 
Sure. Well, a few years ago, we, we uh, put out a, um, a set of self-regulatory guidelines for companies engaged in online behavioral advertising, and that's a practice of cons- tracking consumers across the web, uh, collecting information about where they go and the types of things they look at, and then serving them advertisements based on inferences from those actions. And I think in that case, we maybe got around 150, 200 comments and maybe there was one or two from individual consumers. Um, so to, to get that, that many more on the privacy framework, I think, is a big deal. And um, so, so you, I, I interrupt you, but you were going and outlining the privacy framework. Um, sure. As, uh, so a- what we did is, is the, the, uh, the preliminary framework we issued following the roundtables basically breaks down where we say uh, there are three components. The first is a call for companies to, uh, to incorporate privacy by design into their, into their businesses. And that really means you know, thinking about, about privacy at the beginning of uh, the development of their products or services rather than as an afterthought at the end. And uh, it has some substantive content, uh, concepts like collection limitations, retention limitations, uh, data security, and also procedural things like appointing a chief privacy officer and then training uh, employees about privacy. And the second main component of the framework was simplified consumer choice. And there we said, you've got to give consumers more control over the data collection and use. And uh, we, we recognize that there are some practices where choice is not really necessary. Things like, can we collect your address uh, to send you the product you just ordered online? ideas like fulfillment, but also some internal operations, uh, you know, fraud prevention, legal compliance, things like that didn't necessarily uh, require choice. But for other practices, companies needed to do a better job of giving consumers easy-to-use ability to control whether their data is collected and how it's used. And then the the final uh, component of the framework was increased transparency, doing a better job with uh, disclosures to consumers, um, consider giving access to them, uh, to the data you uh, companies hold, and then um, increased consumer education. So we put that out. We got the comments back, and after going through and analyzing all the comments um, and, um, and thinking about the, the issues they raised, uh, on Monday we issued our final framework and um, we, we made some changes to it. Is the main structure of, of uh, privacy by design and choice and transparency are all still there. But we did, uh, we did make some clarifications and, and a couple of other changes. Now, one thing that everyone seems to be talking about is the, um, some of the, the changes in terms of your, how your position has evolved from the initial draft. And in two important areas, it seems to have evolved. And one is you know, the, the role of self-regulation. And you know, to the extent um, you're, you're, you're advocating or not advocating a do-not-track solution. Could you address that? Sure. Uh, one of the things we called for with, uh, with the preliminary framework was a, uh, what we're calling a do-not-track mechanism. And that's mm-hmm. basically um, a call for companies to develop um, uh, a, a mechanism that would allow consumers to say, hey, when I'm, when I'm traversing the Internet and going to different pages and things, I don't want people collecting my information and then using it either to, you know, market back to me or for other purposes. And uh, in response to that call, um, 
there, there, there's been a lot of work. Um, a group called the Digital Advertising Alliance, which is a, an industry group, um, has developed a, um, a program where advertisers uh, embed an icon in the uh, behaviorally targeted ads they serve, and consumers will, will get notice that the ad is, is uh, targeted to them based on their online activities when they see the icon, and the consumer is able to click on it, and then they go to a page and uh, can, uh, can opt out of being tracked and getting uh, advertising from other purposes as well. There have also been uh, efforts by uh, an Internet standard-setting organization called the W3C World Wide Web Consortium, and they're putting together a consensus standard for how Do Not Track would work. And then there have been some uh, approaches by individual browser companies to set up a header that would be transmitted and indicating that a consumer has, has decided they don't want to be tracked. And what we've done is, we, you know, when we called for this, it was a call for self-regulation. And we've seen some really good steps, as, as I said, in response to that call. And we're continuing to, uh, with industry and other uh, stakeholders, as they develop these tools. And um, the thought is that w when these tools are finalized, there, there won't, wouldn't need to be uh, legislation on do not track. And, um, and so, but you do call for some legislative response. Yeah, that's correct. We, um, and that's one of the big, uh, the big takeaways from the final report. We, we say there that the commission uh, supports Congress enacting baseline privacy legislation, and that's consistent with the, uh, the position of the administration in the, uh, the document they released last month. And we also, in addition to a baseline privacy law, we, uh, the Commission reaffirms its support for um, data security legislation and legislation um, applying to data brokers and um, uh, requiring access for consumers to the data those entities hold. In and, addition and to this to legislative call, however, we're saying, now is the, is you know, the in, in the meantime, issue. business needs to step up and, um, and and make changes to their practices that are consistent with the framework we've we've put forward. And um, but it seems that the the data broker issue is one that's being discussed a lot in the in the media, and that there's some um, concern about how a data broker is is defined. Um, yeah, what we've said in the uh, in in our framework and in our report is, you know, we've said that data brokers are entities that that collect information from a variety of different sources and and sell those to other entities. Um, and that that process often happens behind the scenes and is often invisible to consumers. Um, these uh, these data brokers, uh, in some cases, do allow consumers access to the data they collect, maintain, and sell about them. But many consumers have no idea that they are even doing any of these things, and they don't know uh, to go to go or who to contact to find out what access rights they have. Many of the the data brokers don't have a consumer interface. So what we've said is. For those entities that are doing that collection and, and resaling, resale of data, we've suggested that they um, create a centralized 
website where um, they can disclose who they are, how they collect and use consumer data, and provide links to whatever consumer control and access mechanisms they already are providing. Um, we, uh, the, the FTC is going to have a, a workshop later in the year to talk further about and explore further this, this concept, but also talk about how the data broker industry works and um, who the players are. And, and I guess that, that begs the question, you know, who, who, are, who are data brokers? Well, they, they, as I said, they, they, can be, they can really be anyone. I mean, they could be uh, a large um, entity that um, has to comply or, or uh, um, whose business model has a line of business that takes it on, um, under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. But they could also provide services like um, risk assessments or identity services that may not be covered by the FCRA, um, but we think they, they need to do more to raise their transparency and, and offer consumers control over their practices. And when you say FCRA, that's the Fair Credit Reporting Act, right? Yes. Now, um, one thing you also mentioned in the report is the possibility you want, some, you want improved, more streamlined disclosures in, in privacy statements. And in, in the Graham-Leach-Bliley context, the FTC worked with the banking regulators to actually come up with a template for um, Graham-Leach-Bliley disclosures. Is the FTC going to do anything similar in, in the privacy policy context and in light of its recommendation? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that the, what we did in um, Graham-Leach-Bliley will necessarily apply here, um, but I think some of the same ideas do apply. And, and what we've said in, in, our, um, in our framework in calling for better transparency, we've said that companies need to do a better job at disclosing their practices. And, and we've sort of drawn a distinction, uh, or at least a comparison, to what the status quo is now, and that's often where companies have really long privacy policies that are uh, they're, they're difficult to navigate, they're hard to understand, they're full of legalese and and, and, and carve-outs, and, you know, um, they seem designed more to limit liability than they do to inform consumers about data practices. So what we've said is bearing your privacy disclosures in a long consumer uh, privacy policy isn't good enough. What companies need to do is start looking at things like, you know, just-in-time notices, for instance, where... You could get a, bo- a pop-up box at the point where your data is being collected online or different ways to communicate with consumers in an offline retail environment. So you know, are you saying you basically that, get the, um, a shorter, yeah. simpler disclosure that's more upfront to consumers? And another idea we've explored is the use of perhaps privacy icons, uh, standardized privacy statements, that consumers can use to compare across businesses, across websites, things like that. Um, now, so that would mean that um, you know, uh, eight, eight point font disclosure in Latin would be inappropriate. <laughs> well, maybe not in Rome, but um, <laughs> yeah, what, what we're really Vatican. looking for is, is you know clear, uh, you know, language, simple. <laughs> Uh, here, English language that that consumers can understand and and understand. Okay, this is this is the type of data that's being collected about me. This is what they use it for. These are my uh, the, these are the controls I have if I don't like that. 
So, so if you're listening, Pope Benedict, the FTC has just said that your policy is fine. Um, and <laughs> now, um, now, in terms of moving forward, you know, you, you, you're for um, you know legislation that would create a privacy framework, and you want to address data brokers, but it seems that we, we've been unable to get a consensus on privacy, and that's part of the reason why there's been no legislation passed. And um, and so, you know, do you think that? This exercise will change that, or um, or not? Well, I, I think what you're seeing is um, is some consensus here. I mean, this, you get these surveys coming out. Uh, it seems like weekly, where consumers are saying, you know, we really do care about our uh, the privacy of our data. We want more control. We want to understand what's going on. Um, you've got the initiatives of, of two government agencies, one representing the, uh, the administration, another representing the FTC, which is an independent law enforcement agency, saying that the time is right for some baseline level of, of privacy protection. You've also, and we saw this in the comments we received on our framework, you've got a number of large companies out there saying, yeah, we, we support legislation. Um, as I mentioned earlier um, in our conversation, we had you know over 200 comments from individual consumers, many of whom were talking about the do not track call, saying, yeah, I, I, I want to have some control over who gets and how they use my data, and, and privacy is important to me. So I, I think you're seeing a, a real move there. Also, you know, there are some privacy laws. I mean, we've had privacy laws enacted. The Children's Online Privacy Protection Act is, is a good example of that. But to date, they, those, those laws have, have been more of a sectoral approach. You know, they focus on a particular audience uh, with respect to COPPA, that would be kids, or um, types of information like financial information, with Graham Leach-Bliley. But it, it seems that there is, uh, there, there is growing support for some um, across-the-board level of, uh, of privacy protection. Okay, this is Producer Brasco having the fill-in. At the moment, uh, Peter, uh, we just had uh, Bennett lose our, his connection with us uh, from his remote location. So I'm going to go and take us into a commercial break, and when we come back, we will continue with you in just a few moments. Sounds good. Thanks. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. 
Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. This is Patty Kelly. I apologize for the interruption. Um, Air Force One must have fallen over or something, and uh, I got disconnected. In any event, um, Peter, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Oh, thanks. I apologize. Um, so we were kind of talking about the framework for, for moving forward, and you, you were saying that you thought there was a consensus at this point. I, I, think, th- I think one is developing, and, um, and I'm not sure where we cut off, but what I was pointing to were um, the... Um, you know, the, the comments we received in response to our framework, the, uh, the fact that um, you've, got two, you've got both the Department of, of Commerce and the administration and then the FTC supporting baseline uh, privacy legislation. And um, you've got people like Senator Kerry saying, you know, enough's enough. We need it now. It's, uh, it's time. Um, so I, I think there is a, a growing consensus for this. At the same time, we do have an election year and a short, you know, let's say, calendar. Do you think it's likely something will happen this this session? Well, I, you know, I'm I'm not going to speculate on that. I, I I'm not sure, um, but I'll I'll leave that one up to uh, the people on the hill. But um, I, I really do think that there is um, there is growing support here for this, and um, I do want to stress, however, that you know, in the meantime, as we've said in our report. We're we're calling on businesses to uh, to start to um, enact the, the the components of our privacy framework. We think it's it's the right thing to do. We think it will uh, increase uh, consumer trust, which which comes back and, and helps business out. Now um, I know we have a few minutes left, but um, the next thing on the FTC agenda is the upcoming workshop on revisiting the. Um, dot com disclosure guidelines in light of uh, you know, the new platforms, the mobile platforms. And can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, we've got a, um, uh, a workshop coming up um, where we're going to be looking at, um, we're taking another look at something we looked at a while back when we called it dot com disclosures. But the idea is um, to look at how to improve disclosures um, to consumers. And and one part of that is going to be um, talking about uh, the mobile marketplace and uh, discussing some of the, the practical uh, challenges there with giving consumers privacy disclosures. You know, with a, with a handheld mobile device, you have a small screen, and it's, uh, there's not a lot of real estate there to uh, explain to consumers what your data practices are. So that's going to be one of the issues um, it, it, 
we explore there. Uh, also, as I mentioned later in the year, we're going to we're going to have a workshop with with the data brokers um, and, and talk about some of the uh, the issues we spoke about earlier in the conversation. And um, and then looming in all this is is also what's going across on the other side of the pond in, in Europe, and and they're moving towards you know a, 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 you know um, the right to be forgotten and their update of the privacy directive. And uh, are, are you working with the EU at all in trying to harmonize our, our various positions on privacy? Well, you know, we we have uh, we we have discussions with our our, our counterparts in uh, in government in Europe, and in fact, um, the, a number of them commented on our privacy framework. I'm not sure if we're you know trying to harmonize, but I think I think both approaches are, are really have the the same thing in in mind, which is to give consumers uh, uh, more control, make business uh, practices more transparent. You know, we, have, uh, we, ha- we do have very different approaches, but I think there's a lot of common ground there. Um, and, you know, as, as a practical matter, uh, so much of commerce is global now, and you've got businesses that are doing, um, that have operations in the U.S. as well as in Europe and throughout the world. So, um, you know, you do want to have, uh, at least from a business standpoint, you want to have some consistency so that you you, you can do business uh, back and forth. Well, Peter, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you only have a little bit of time, um, but thank you for joining us, and uh, thank Chris again for um, plugging you into us, and, um, you know, I um, hope you consider joining us again. And, and when you do, when you're on the Daily Show, if you can make a plug for us, that would be great. Um <laughs> We uh, well, I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me on. And uh, yeah, I look forward to maybe expanding this discussion some other time. But um, I-, I will be at the conference in um, in May, so maybe I'll get finally get to meet you. But um, thank you again, and I apologize for the technical glitch. No worries. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you, Peter. All right. Um, so um, that was Peter McGee, and he is the author of the what. Apparently, is now <laughs> uh, probably a bestseller in the in, in the privacy world. Um, the SEC's uh, long-awaited report on, on a new framework for consumer privacy, and um, but the SEC development is actually just one of a slew of activity that is going on in the space at the moment, and um, and that includes um, both legislation and initiatives, both in the U.S. and in um, over in Europe. But um, what's interesting, actually, in California, um, it seems that we have a, a new activist uh, attorney general in the Internet space. You know, every now and then, one of the attorney generals takes a lot of interest in the Internet and, um, and kind of sees it as an issue. And uh, we're seeing that in California um, with the new attorney general, Kamala Harris, who um, in, a couple weeks ago um, reached an agreement with uh, a lot of the, um, mobile app providers to set a framework which all the app providers would provide um, privacy disclosures to consumers as to how they're using data. Um, it was a, a huge coup for um, the Attorney General to get that. And then in addition, um, just um, last week, um, there was an agreement reached with dating site providers to um, screen and um, or sex offenders and try to take other steps to um, you know, provide greater safety for online daters. And so um, 
I've got a, a big development in this space. And um, so it's just, I think you can count on, given that this is only her second year in office, um, we can count on this um, this attorney general being very active in the event over the next few years and someone we definitely should keep an eye on. Um, another major development actually happened in Congress yesterday, and that was passage of the Jobs Act. And the Jobs Act has a significant provision that's relevant for the Internet community is that it, um, it authorized crowdfunding. Um, you may recall we had Ron Burnham on to talk about her use of Kickstarter to um, raise money to develop a, a CD of, of choral music. And um, what has occurred um, now is the whole concept of using crowdfunding um, for early stage companies to raise capital, um, which is very important and a kind of an innovative idea. And so um, the Jobs Act actually would allow com companies to raise up to a million dollars through crowdfunding. And um, there were some changes made in the Senate to the original bill, which actually was for the better. It actually um, provided some protection for in consumers who were going to invest in such companies. Um, so surprisingly, the House bill didn't have any requirement of disclosures and actually had no liability if these closures were made, if they were fraudulent, and uh, so that's um, that's a very important thing. Um, so um, that that is just passed Congress yesterday, and we're now um, this will now go to the White House for signature. And uh, one of the issues in that is one of the benefits of the bill was that it also gives some exemptions from some of the compliance with um, Sarbanes-Oxley, which was the law that was passed immediately following the um, whole um, Enron scandals. And so you know, this, it, it's obviously there was a need for the law, and I think in, in, in balance, Sarbanes-Oxley just encourages good corporate governance. But um, there also are some you know, requirements to have it kind of considered a full employment act for Collins to the extent that it requires all these detailed audits and, and so to and basically give early stage companies a little bit of a break from that burden. I think you could have a positive development. But um, so that was a, a big move in Washington yesterday. In addition, um, there's been a lot of reporting about employers um, asking their prospective um, their job applicants to um, provide either provide their Facebook username and password or to surf on Facebook um, while they are um, in their presence, which is kind of known as um, shoulder surfing. And um, the um, shoulder surfing is where basically where they, they will look over your shoulder and take a look at what you're, what you're surfing. And it's um, caused a lot of controversy. Civil liberties groups are saying that you know, it violates you know, privacy laws. And uh, what's interesting is um, two members of the Senate actually think it could violate the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and the Wiretap Act and um, could be um, an unfair employment practice and expose the um, companies to liability um, under the Equal Employment Opportunity Act. And so um, that is being pursued at the moment. And um, it should be interesting how that progresses. But Senator Blumenthal um, from Connecticut, who himself is a former attorney general, um, has indicated that he 
may introduce legislation outlawing the practice. And Facebook has shot across an issue that shot across the bow to employers indicating that um, they actually may go after employees who, employers who do that. Because you know, the problem is it's not only are you infringing on that employer's um, that employee's you know, personal privacy, but you're also infringing on the privacy of all the people he, you know, he's friends with. And so look for, I think, a crackdown in that area. Um, I, I would not expect this factor to be something long-lasting, but um, I don't think, um, I think the red has to blow a huge lead like uh, I assure you. So don't count on me for predictions. Um, another big area in terms of where the significant development though, has been in Europe. And um, we had people on who just talked about ACTA, the uh, anti counterfeiting trade agreement. And that actually will be discussed and debated this week in the European Parliament. So the fate of ACTA could um, be decided this week in Europe. And then on April 4th, Google, um, which, which went ahead and implemented the privacy policy changes that we discussed earlier, where it unified all its various privacy policies into one single policy. Um, now um, has to respond to 64 different questions issued by the um, French Privacy Commissioner, and that uh, response is due on April 4th. And I think after that, we're bound to see um, some further action by the, the French um, Privacy Commission. And the position, basically, the EU asked Google to, to stop and to delay in implementation of its privacy. Um, change and and um, Google said no, and so the EU's preliminary position is that Google's changes violate EU law, and so it could be some um, action taken against Google for that. And Google already has, has a uh, class action that has been filed as a result. Um, with, um, just recently last week in New York, um, so this this issue is going to be something that's going to occupy Google, um, but. Google isn't the only one with some significant litigation. Um, Facebook was hit with a patent infringement suit by Yahoo, in which more or less claims that um, Yahoo believes that it has the patents to more or less um, what, what has now become social media. And so it's a very significant patent fight. And um, whether it's just mere coincidence or not, um, Yahoo filed a similar lawsuit against Google right before their IPO. So some are kind of criticizing the lawsuit as more or less a pre-IPO shakedown. And um, but if, this, <laughs> if there's ever going to be a shakedown, that would be a very sizable one indeed, um, considering what, what the people expect may happen with the Yahoo, excuse me, with the Facebook IPO. Um, so that's part of what's going on. And then um, on the other areas, we're seeing significant activity um, in the area of some litigation going on um, further on Facebook, um, they um, they had uh, they were unsuccessful in pursuing. Uh, they've gone after a number of companies that have used variations of Facebook in their name, whether it was Face Porn or Teachbook, and um, they they've lost a trilogy of them, and now they're about to lose the third one. And um, that was the case against Face Porn, where it's being dismissed. Um, for on jurisdictional grounds, um, but also um, on the fact, part of the fact is that Facebook really hasn't shown any harm as a result. Um, so there's probably a lot of things that are going on 
right now. Um, a lot of major initiatives, and um, expect a busy couple of weeks as they come up. I think in um, April and May, and then June, and then expect absolutely nothing to happen um, from July or more or less to mid-September um, when people have their summer recess and you have two political conventions, Republican convention in Tampa and then Democratic convention in Charlotte. And then they're going to come back and um, we'll have a very short period in Congress and um, more or less that will probably go break around Columbus Day and we'll have the election and then maybe or maybe not have a... Um, a lame duck session following. So a lot of activities going on. Now, the FTC workshop in May is going to be significant. Europe.com disclosure guidelines, if you haven't looked at them, are very, it's a very important document to look at. And the FTC um, often in, in enforcement actions are based on those guidelines. Uh, so it the extent that they're updating these in the mobile platform, this could lead to greater enforcement in the mobile space. And you are, I think you're starting to see a groundswell of concern about consumer protection in the mobile space. You've had a number of instances in which it's been revealed that consumer data was being um, taken or tracked without disclosure to the consumer. Um, you have concerns that the consumers aren't given sufficient information when they sign up for apps and you know, what's being tracked. You know, and so I think there's a a developing concern in Congress over this issue, and um, a couple of members of the House, including Congressman Waxman, the senior Democrat on the House Energy and Commerce Committee, has indicated that um, it is his belief that you know, this needs to be looked at. He's actually issued a whole bunch of questions to Apple and some of the Apple app providers, and so that is being that's currently uh, out there and they're waiting a response. And what we're going to see, and shortly we'll get the response, but look for legislative hearings on that issue. And so all this is happening. You know, there's a little bit on mobile privacy, a little bit on global privacy, a little bit this, a little bit here. And it could build some consensus for the need for something to happen on privacy. But the question is, what would that be? And that's always been the elusive issue. Right? Um, privacy has involves so many companies, there's so many people that have to come to the table. That is why, you know, as we talked last week with my fairness of the IAB, that is why it's difficult to get a consensus on this. And there really isn't, no one has the silver bullet just yet. And maybe the framework offered by the White House or expanded upon by the FCC, maybe that would be the one that gets a consensus. But you know, I don't think we're there yet. And so I would expect to have a lot of significant debate over privacy in the next few weeks, but not any action. So um, that's where we're at the moment. Uh, Brasco, should we take our next break? Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. MySEOTool.com is your all-in-one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. 
Try My SEO Tool risk-free today. Go to MySEOTool.com. MySEOTool.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. In 500 yards, C-P-A Way will be on your right. You have reached your destination. On the interstate of internet marketing, CPA Way helps you monetize the way. No matter which direction you're heading, CPA Way is your route to low-risk revenue. Advertisers, we have paved the way to delivering revenue channels that will meet and exceed your expectations. Publishers, we monitor and manage your campaigns to bring you the most revenue possible. Publishers can feel secure to leverage direct offers, while advertisers can find safety, offering their most valued campaigns. The road to trust, respect, integrity, and honor is just ahead at cpaway.com. Radio's Virtual Autobahn. WebmasterRadio.fm, moving at the speed of light. WebmasterRadio.fm, we're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly with the Law Center, and you're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report. And next week, I will be at AdTech in San Francisco. And if you ever want to be there, um, please make sure to, to say hi, and I'm interested to hear what you think on the show. Um, what you think of the FTC report and any other topics you'd like to hear us discuss. So uh, look for me at AdTech in the Moscone Center on Monday and Tuesday in San Francisco and um, look forward to talking to any of you. But um, there's an article yesterday that came out that Richard Clark, the former National Security Advisor, has said that every large American company has been hacked by the Chinese. And... Um, really creating a, a renewed um, sparking the debate over um, cybersecurity. And, in fact, the FCC has just released um, some voluntary standards for cybersecurity that the IS, almost all the large ISPs have agreed to abide by. So um, we're making some progress, but apparently Richard Clark suggests that maybe it's, you know, it's a little bit too late, too little too late, so that's something we're going to be talking about in the future. And um, this whole cybersecurity thing is, I think, something that doesn't get enough attention and that it is a very big problem. And unless it's addressed, you know, at some point we could have something catastrophic happen. Um, luckily, we have not so far. Um, another issue you know, that we're going to be following is, is this ongoing development over the privacy legislation and what's happening in both the U.S. and Europe on ACTA um, in passing those jobs act that um, enabled the ability for crowdsourced funding, assuming President Obama signs it. Um, Senator Wyden, who is the principal opponent of ACTA, 
amendment to the Jobs Act that would have required a Senate vote on ACTA. And uh, as you may recall from some of our prior broadcasts, um, the administration, both President Bush and President Obama, have taken the position that ACTA does not change existing U.S. laws. And as a result, uh, a treaty or an agreement with foreign nations that does not alter U.S. law is called an executive treaty and does not require Senate confirmation, excuse me, Senate ratification, I should say. And that is it's, you know, somewhat of an arcane issue, but it's an, it's an important constitutional issue. And so um, if ACTA passes and it becomes ratified without a Senate vote, um, it's going to be subject to challenge, but Russell Wyden wants a vote on this issue, and this could be the next big showdown in Congress after SOPA. And so look for him to attach this to a vehicle where um, he thinks he can get, get it on and get the vote. It's unclear whether that amendment would have passed, but it's definitely a battle that we're going to be looking in the future. Um, so that, those are some of the things we will be looking forward to over the next couple of weeks. Um, I hope, hope any of you are at, at Technics Week. Um, please, you know, say hi, make yourself known. Um, I'll be walking around and hoping to talk to as many of you as possible. And um, so, but here, um, this week, I'm at the ABA IP section annual meeting where um, a bunch of the leading nations, leading internet and IP lawyers are gathering and we're talking about the latest developments in the law and where we think it's going to go. So it should be an interesting conference here, and I'll tell you even more about it on our next show. But um, I want to thank you for listening today, and uh, I'm really glad that we were able to get Peter McGee so close to his now best-selling report. And uh, so but I look forward to talking to you next week from Santa Monica. And um, this is Anna Kelly with the Cyberlong Business Report. I want to thank you for joining us. Court is adjourned, and we'll see you next week. Be safe. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.